So Money Episode 770, Ask Farnoosh with special co-host, listener Layla Novini. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Yo, listening to So Money, everyone. Welcome. August 17th, 2018, Friday. It's great to be here. Thank you for joining me. Maybe you're on your morning run. Maybe you're off to work. Maybe you're leaving work early to enjoy the weekend wherever you are. However you're living your life, thank you for taking the time to join the So Money podcast. I can't believe this is episode 770. That's incredible, right? That we've come all of this way. And I say we because this is a collective effort. I cannot do this job without your support. So thank you to everybody for subscribing, for leaving a, a, a feedback on iTunes, for um, you know joining me today, and also for sending me questions. This episode, these Friday episodes could not exist without your fantastic questions. And seriously, I was just telling someone over coffee this morning that I have the smartest audience. I mean, sure, we could all use some you know, financial R&R, some TLC in our lives, whether we're trying to pay off debt or make more or anything in between. But the types of questions you're asking really speak volumes to you know, your dedication to personal finance, your motivation. So August 17th, middle of the month, um, what kind of updates do I have for you? Well, we are in the process of enrolling people into my So Money Podcast Accelerator. So if you're thinking of starting a podcast and you want accountability, you want maybe some group coaching, because there's a lot of programs out there that give you the materials and the to-do lists for starting your podcast, and they're great. But if you are somebody who has a goal to launch soon. And to do that, you want accountability. You want someone to kind of hold your hand, to give you direct feedback. And you want that person to be me and my team. Then that's where the So Money Podcast Accelerator arrives. Uh, we are not just sort of this like hands-off approach to, so, to launching your podcast. We have group calls. We uh, have a Facebook group where I'm doing lives constantly. And so our goal is to launch you in 12 weeks, which is a little aggressive. It's why it's called an accelerator. But for those of you especially who want to launch in the new year as part of your big resolution for the year, this is the way to do it. And so if you're interested, get in touch. You can go to accelerator.somoneypodcast.com and fill out the application and I'll be in touch. Or you can email me or at farnoosh at farnoosh.tv or you can go on Instagram and direct message me there and we can get the ball rolling. There's all sorts of price points and packages depending on your budget and what you want out of the program. If you're somebody who's more DIY-ish and you want to just be left alone, we've got a program for you. If you want some accountability, we've got that program. And if you want some super one-on-one -on -one time with me, there's also a high-level VIP program. But something hopefully for everybody. So get in touch. We'd love to talk to you. And speaking of programs, I'm also doing another book-to-brand workshop 
this fall. Some of you know that I have this two-day live workshop in New York every year, sometimes twice a year, where I invite aspiring authors who want to write nonfiction, prescriptive self-help books and don't know where to start, don't know how to do it, how to execute. They don't know who to hire or like what kind of a literary agent should I get or, you know. So this two-day workshop brings all of the best people from all of the um, related steps to launching a book, literary agents, publishers, media people. And then later when you've published the book, you want to leverage it. So how do you get on television? How do you, you know, get a brand partnership? So I bring all of these key people who do these sorts of projects day in and day out to come and talk and educate you and hopefully become your best friend. So if you're interested in book to brand, that's October 15th and 16th in New York. We have a couple of spots left. Again, same way to reach me. Go to uh, Farnoosh at Farnoosh.tv to email me. You can go to Instagram. Or you can also go to booktobrand.co for more on the Book to Brand workshop. All right. I'm going to transition now because that's a lot of me stuff. And I want to get to our special co-host today, a woman whom I met at an event at a panel that I was on and she came up to me and was like, I listened to your podcast. I have taken your advice and I've improved my financial life. And of course, then I was like, what are you doing on a Friday? Cause we need to co-host together. And she was very uh, kind to take me up on that offer. Layla Novini is here, everybody. She is a New York resident and she is kicking butt in the uh, UX design space. She has an MFA in design and technology from Parsons. Um, also has experience in the music industry. She loves photography. She loves music technology. She plays the clarinet and she listens to So Money. Layla, come on to the stage, my lady friend. How are you? I'm doing good, French. How are you? I'm great. And also, not for nothing, but you're Iranian, right? Yes, I am. Iranian-American. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. So did your family talk about money as much as mine did growing up? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, I mean, just I'm sure like has similar to you, like my parents immigrated to the United States. Um, oh, it's not that much going on, just their college degrees and, you know, wanted to achieve the American dream. So it was a uh, interesting to like learn from your perspective as as immigrants and me growing up here and going to school and because uh, like we were in a small town in Ohio so not very many Iranians in the town so like well the only Iranians we knew were the ones we knew there was nobody else and also my parents um, at some point when I was a kid they started their own business so seeing um, how they handled it and their persevere perseverance um, in a, in that space and um, you know taking time to scale back on things and like watching them succeed through their hard work has just been very inspiring. What was your impetus for, for looking for a money podcast and, and what have you been kind of figuring out about yourself as you've been listening to the episodes? Well, um, back in about 2014, so I've been in New York for uh, 12 years now, uh, period, periodically. And uh, 2014, I was in a really bad career rut. Um, I graduated from my undergrad in, a, in 2009, so the economy was not in great shape. I was jumping from one temp position to another. Um, and then my final stint, I was kind of getting started, getting phased out of my job. And I'm like, this isn't sustainable for me. Um, I barely had any savings and I was uh, vigorously job hunting and not being successful. So I made 
the hard decision at 27 years old to move back home with my parents. It was just one of those things where like, it was the probably the most natural and best decision for me. Cause I mean, leaving like a, you know, a studio apartment in New York city with like all my friends and going back to a small hometown, not ideal, but I, I knew I needed it. And that was also around the time I found your podcast. So in the in midst of, you know, restructuring what I wanted out of my career and um, learning how to save better and like be more financially responsible. It certainly was very helpful for me. So what was that adjustment like? And what were some of the things that you and your parents had to communicate around? Because I know like it's different when you're living with your parents and you're 16, you're under their rule. And now you're (laughs) a grown woman. Um, Was there a bit of a battle there? Or like, how did you navigate some of those uh, you know, situation. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, it was it was interesting as an as an adult. My parents are pretty lively. And it's the typical Persian parents. They were uh, actually, you know, they they were just about to become empty nesters because my uh, brother had left for college. My, my youngest uh, youngest sibling, and it, so they're at that position. Like, yeah, they were almost excited to be empty nesters, but because the Iranian knew the Iranians naturally love having their children with them, so mm-hmm. they were partially excited, <laughs> but. <laughs> but I think they were very supportive of me of like just trying to take my time to really focus because I, I came back, landed, took a part-time job at a car dealership just to save while I figured out what it, my next steps were. And I, I just used that time to, I researched a lot. I, I decided to stop and think, um, what, do, what do I want to get out of my life? Or what are my skills? What am I good at? And what I'm passionate about? And I realized, you know, I'm I've always taken on a career, a creative uh, roles because um, I started marketing the music industry. Um, I, I was a photo editor for some time and I, I wanted to continue that, but find a way to make it sustainable for myself and find something su- that, that makes me successful. And that's how I got into user experience. It's a great industry, I have to say. My brother kind of fell into it. Uh, well, he he went after it, but it was not something that he knew about in college. He graduated realizing, I need some skills, like really hard skills that I can deliver to a company and get paid for it, as opposed to like, I know how to think about the economy, which is you know what they teach you about in college if you major in yeah. economics. He's been very busy. It's a really yeah. great space. And I think as women too, anything uh-huh. like software or design related, stuff that you can do from home, from your computer, on the go, like great lifestyle setup. Because if yeah. you do want to like have kids, I'm learning more and more that having the ability to work from home or not be beholden to an office location somewhere while your kids are going to school mm-hmm. is everything. And your ability to get home and be with your kids is is immeasurable. All right. Our first question comes from a woman on Instagram uh, by the name of Certified Life. She says, my husband and I both had non-traditional career paths as musicians in our early earning years. He was signed to a record label in high school, and then he graduated early, missing out on college. I became a full-time musician by living frugally and only recently finished my master's in teaching at 32 years old. Uh, So she goes on to talk about, you know, uh, just the fact that they're kind of in a 
at a crossroads right now in their lives and in their careers. And their her main question is, at our age, with a busy life, is working towards a bachelor's worth it? So I guess her husband is considering going back to get his college degree. Um, she said, or should my husband be putting his time into side hustles? And she gives an example. She says, we remodeled our homes together. We have no debt and about $360,000 in net worth due to my husband's great carpentry skills. I think going to college is great, and I'm glad that I did it. And I'm sure you're grateful that you have a college degree, Layla, but it's not for everybody. And if, frankly, if you're fast forward, if you're living your life and you're making the money and you're fulfilled and, you know, you feel like everything is working out for you despite the fact that you don't have a college degree, I don't think it's necessary to go back and get it. It really just depends on your goals. But then, of course, there are some people who just want the degree, right? It's like something, a bucket list item. Um, And so if that's the case, if it's just more for your own feeling of life satisfaction and like you've fulfilled life's journey. I, I think there's some merit to that, but you just want to be smart about it too. Like don't go and like go into debt going to get this college degree. Um, but also be smart about it too. If it means not working to get this degree, which may or may not lead to a higher income or more job opportunity. And in the meantime, you're not working. So you're losing out on that income. I, I think that's something definitely to, to think about, but what do you think Layla? Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree. And I can relate in the way, cause I finished my master's at, uh, at 30 years old. So I was definitely in a similar boat. Um, I think, yeah, I agree that if you're feeling like you're uh, you're making good money and you're pretty you feeling successful at where you are now, then you may not need it. But if you do feel like it's a bucket list item and you feel like the bachelor's would be worth it to you, I would highly recommend at least research. You know, getting to know like so, what program are you going into? What are the the what's the colleges that you're you're considering and do your research um and my like best advice in which I, I did and I even did this after I graduated and was on the job hunt again get to know the alumni of those programs uh, what was their background um what were they doing during that program what are they doing now after after they've graduated and see if that's something that you want to either reflect your life on um if it's like worth it to you um and, you know, there's, you know, there's alternative ways. Like I had the, when I did my research, it was either masters or even a boot camp. And with my research and just getting to know who went to with these kind of programs, um, it seemed like my life best matched the program that I went to. Yeah. I mean, that's really the thought process, right? Figuring out where does, where does this bachelor's degree fit into the grand scheme of your life's goals? And if it makes sense, if it, you feel like it's the right kind of an investment, but like, it, you know, I see, I sense that she's asking me to kind of get my take on whether just generally speaking, if getting a college degree is really important. And I mean, I think it just has to make sense for you. I mean, I yeah. went to college, but even then my parents said to me, make sure that you make the most of these four years, get a return on your investment. You can graduate and and start working and, you know, like have it be a pillar, you know, that you're building towards something that you're not just going to college to quote unquote, find yourself, which is, you know, <laughs> there's definitely a lot of self-discovery in college for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, thank you for sharing that, that advice for 
Certified Life. And Certified Life, if you have more questions for me on that, don't hesitate to reach out on Instagram. Okay, next up is Dakota. She says, first off, love the show. Thank you, Dakota. She says that she's been listening for about a year and she's been sharing the show with friends and family. Well, thank you so much, Dakota. We really appreciate that. Couldn't be as far as we are without people sharing and letting people know. People are just discovering the podcast for the first time today. And uh, I hope that continues for years to come. She says she has a question about student loans. She has about $10,000 left and paying roughly 5% interest on them. And uh, if she continues to pay the approximately $200 a month, she probably won't be debt-free for another couple of years. Um, But she says, do you think I should continue paying my monthly payment or take a loan from my 401k or even my Roth IRA to pay them off? She's like, how does that even work? I mean, there's one thing about refinancing and if you're going to be able to refinance this to a loan with a smaller interest rate, that's one thing. But to sacrifice your retirement savings in the name of like paying off your student loan a little bit faster, I think is not the smartest thing to do. Just because like mathematically speaking, I think your money is better off staying in the market uh, than it is like paying off this student loan at 5%. Um, you should look into maybe if you can pay it off within the next year, I don't know if you can, or 18 months, there are some 0% APR credit cards that you can do a transfer balance and that 0% is an introductory promo rate and it will reset to a higher rate, usually like much higher than 5% um, after the period of usually like 15 months, 12 months. So that could be a good option, but only if you're aggressive and want to pay off this debt within the next year. Otherwise, I would just say keep status quo. If you have a little bit of extra cash flowing through your budget, then pay more towards the principal on this loan, this $10,000 loan to just get out of debt faster and over time pay less interest. But I don't like the idea of, you know, compromising your retirement accounts. That stuff is really, I think, best for a last ditch effort. You have no other options. You're, you've got a health bill. You've got a, a bankruptcy that's forthcoming. And the only way you can deter it is maybe to like take out some money from your 401k. I mean, there's money there that's allows you to be, you know, be borrowed, but it is, in my view, not the best, not so money <laughs> to put it shortly. Um, did you have student loans, Layla? And if you did or didn't, like, what's your recommendation for Dakota? I mean, uh, I was fortunate enough where I didn't have student loans, but um, I've, I I have been like I I'm in a position where I'm just to set aside money to make sure that I'm saving and I have my 401 k set and my my goals are just to not touch it because I just I I don't I, I just like I want to make sure that it's safe and secure so that that is my take on it I I do I do recommend you know thinking about like what what are your what are your goal, goals for the next few years especially if you want to pay it off as fast um, what other things are you willing to uh, set aside in those years to pay it off for. Um, uh, just to make sure, and like, and also to make make sure you maintain your savings as well. Yeah, that's important. So, you know, when you're trying to build your financial life, there's a lot of moving parts and it can be overwhelming. You've got student loans in one corner. You have maybe your attempts to 
stock up on a, in a rainy day account over there. You have your 401k, which you know is important for your future. And then, of course, you have to, go to pay your bills and keep the lights on. And so, you know, sometimes you're wondering about where to move these juggle, these pieces around or like sort of the chess pieces. And, you know, debt in an ideal world, you have none of it. But if it's the sort of debt where you can manage it and there is a deadline, like there's a timeline in, in, you know, with student loans, there's a term. So it's not like credit cards where it could be forever. Uh, student loans, it's like 10 years, 15 years. And it sounds like from her, she could pay this off within the next few years. That's great. If that means you can then leverage the rest of your income to invest, to pay, you know, put money in a rainy day account to go on a vacation. Like I'm all for that. I think, you know, it gets a little trickier when your debt starts to take over your ability to do some of these other things. And then that's where I would say, okay, let's look at like refinancing or a modification program or whatever. But um, definitely not the case where I think she needs to be taking money out of her 401k. Next question, Becky, you want to take this question for us? Do you have it in front of you? I don't know if, uh, okay, great. So tell us what her question is, please. It's from Becky from NYC. Because housing prices go up every year in NYC, is it a bad idea to put less than 20% down or should we wait and potentially have to pay more in the future? Yeah. So I don't know though. I think housing prices might be going down in New York City. Don't quote me, but I have this feeling because I look at the market incessantly and I'm always like looking at home values and my own home value. I'm very much uh, interested in this. And I, I see a bit of a cooling off, at least in the Brooklyn market. There's a lot of inventory and interest rates are on the rise. The tax credit is not as advantageous anymore for homeowners, generally speaking. So I think all of those factors combined makes for more people on the sidelines when it comes to buying homes. And therefore, Becky, I don't think you have to be worrying about prices just like going up too much, too fast right now. But of course, historically, New York City is like one of the best places to invest in real estate. We see prices over periods of time. Like it's no surprise if you bought something five years ago that today it's like doubled in value. That does happen sometimes. That said, New York City is not the market where you can put down 5% or 10%. Like I've never heard of that. I think 20% is the norm in any kind of market condition, especially if it's in a seller's market, you better be ready to put down like 30%. And then depending on the building, you might have to put down all cash. 80% of apartment buildings in New York City are co-op, which means the co-op board sets the requirements for purchases. And it's not unheard of for co-ops to be like, you need to put down 50% or all cash. It's crazy. So it's really a question of, are you able to afford what you want to afford now? You want to buy a home that fits into your budget, that allows you to still live within your means, and you can make that mortgage comfortably. That's my two cents, Becky. And good luck. You know, I love real estate. And I love New York. I love real estate in New York. So if you've got more questions on this, do reach out. Okay, last question here is from Antonia on Instagram. She says, hey, Farnoosh, love the podcast. For us millennials and more specifically freelancers, um, what are some ways to start investing? 
She says, I have an inconsistent income as an artist. I'm struggling to know how to take financial risks without compromising my sense of security in the event of injury or employment dry spells. So yeah, like if you work for yourself, there's no 401k option, most likely. But there are SEP IRAs that works like an IRA. But the advantage for um, self-employed people there is you can contribute far more than an, a traditional or Roth IRA every year. I think it's like over $50,000 a year if you wanted to, and that is tax deductible. And the way that your money's invested is very much like it would be invested in other kinds of IRAs. You can do index funds, ETFs, mutual funds, individual stocks, bonds, you name it. So lots of options, and you can open a SEP IRA pretty much anywhere, and you control the contribution. So if you have a dry spell of income for a period of time, you can can adjust your contributions accordingly. I also, we've talked about on this show, apps like Acorns, um, uh, Robinhood. These are two apps that focus on investing. Um, Acorns, I believe, uh, hooks up to one of your bank accounts. And every time you spend money, it rounds up to the next dollar. So if you buy like a coffee for $3.50, it rounds it up to $4, takes that change and invests it for you in a portfolio of diversified assets. And before you open up this portfolio, it asks you a bunch of questions like, what's your risk tolerance and what's your goal? Blah, blah, blah. So like the, the portfolio is very much customized to you. So there are these technologies that can help you invest, especially for newbies who don't know where to start, make it really simple, make it very um, tech friendly so you can, you know, check your balance and your portfolio through your phone. It's like very millennial. I still like them, even though I'm on the later stage of the millennial continuum. Um, what do you, how do you invest, Layla? Um, I've uh, been, I've just been using like a savings account. Um, I op- opened a CD to just like have money secured inside. So like, I don't, like I just like I mentally prepare myself to like it's not there so like I don't use it Look, you can invest obviously in the stock market, but I'm learning too that investing in yourself pays off. Investing in real estate when you do it wisely and you don't like, you know, break the bank doing it and you're thoughtful about it. Like if it becomes a good rental property for you, that's that's worked out for a lot of people. So now, Layla, are you are out of your parents' house. Yes. <laughs> Finally. How did you make the decision to leave? Like what you, what did you need financially in order to leave? Um, so when I looked, I was fortunate enough where, um, when I moved back and I took on a part-time job and I saved, I saved all of that money so that my, um, I can use it to take it with me when I would move on to the next, next stage. Um, uh, my life and granted my parents still wanted, they were so excited for me to like move on to this next stage. It was super proud of me. I'm the, I'm their, their firstborn child and also the first one to receive a master's. So, um, they were pretty proud oh my of me. Gosh. <laughs> How excited are your Persian parents? Of course. I have this joke that's, I'm so, I'm still working on the joke. <laughs> um, it's called Persian mom. I love all about, Persian, all about mom. Persian mom, hashtag Persian mom. And I'm like, parenting philosophy of Persian mom is summed up as the following. Make your kid scared of everything. <laughs> that way they don't get a murder or worse, become loser. 
<laughs> right? And loser is anyone who is not a doctor or a lawyer. It's just like, you know, some things never change. Our mm-hmm. parents have very traditional mindset around what is success, yeah. but yeah. certainly yeah. getting your master's is part of that. Yes, absolutely. And especially since I, I just knew, I mean, I also deal with, you know, I'm not, I didn't want to be a doctor. I didn't want to be, be a lawyer and I certainly not, don't want to be an engineer either. So, um, having, having parents who are supportive, like my career, uh, my like creative aspects and like how I wanted to pursue a creative career was certainly (laughs) very, yeah, it's hard to convince, but once you, it's like almost, you're better off not telling your parents, your Persian parents, what you're up to. And then once you're successful, anyway, lots more, obviously for you and I to discuss, (laughs) it was so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming up to me at that event and letting me know that you're a listener. That's, that's how things happen. People, you got to speak up. If you want me to know that you're an audience member and so happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure.